Several days or weeks ago, I don't recall, in preparing for the fall, as I looked, last June was when we had our last message from the book of Colossians, and we've been going through this book for those who are visiting with us this morning. And what I intended to do, I wanted to repeat the message I preached back in June because I thought you may have forgotten what I said back in June. Now, when I, if you look in your bulletin, you will see it has a little thing saying repeat. Uh, well, that's not because I am repeating what I said back in June. In fact, as I was going over that message, it became increasingly clear in my own heart and mind that God did not want me to do that. Now, it, it, it wouldn't have meant less studying because I, was just, I wasn't going to go to the refrigerator, pull something out and give it to you. That you wouldn't know the difference anyway, but I would. And, and so, as I was studying, God started to change in my mind what I had in, in I said in, back in, uh, in June, and so he changed the whole picture from the same text, the same text, but something completely different from what was preached back in June. And I trust that you will sense the Spirit of God opening our understanding to return to this book. Because you see, what happened in the first three chapters of uh, Colossians, Paul was laying the foundation. It's like, it's like building a house. You don't, you don't just put it up. You, you, you build a foundation. You make sure that, that everything is in place the way it, it should be so that you can put a structure on that house so that, that when anything happens, it would have a good foundation. In fact, I understand that this Tuesday is election day in, in, uh, in Ontario. Boy, I almost said Ontario. Oh, please forgive me. I'm back in Canada now. But the, the uh, election here in Oregon. And there is um, something on the, the, the you're going to, not you, but those of us living in, in Salem, they're, they're going to ask for some kind of a bill to pass so that they can restructure the Salem Library. Because in case of an earthquake, it doesn't have the proper foundation. And, and as I listened to that, I thought, isn't that interesting? All the time, I've been living in Salem now for 13 years. And if I were at the library with an earthquake, I would be in a foundationalist place. I don't know what would have happened. And now they're trying to correct it. So if, if, if the, the bill passed, I will be paying more for a library I don't use. <laughs> but my wife might be there. Friend might be there. In other words, they're saying the, the foundation is not properly prepared for an earthquake. Paul 
knowing that in our life, your life and mine, we live in a world of calamities, prepared for and not prepared for. We live in a world of surprises. You, you saw Randy just came up to me and whispered something to me, and I, and I, I didn't know whether I wanted to say it now or later on, but, but someone just mentioned, got news that there was a shooting in a church in Texas again this morning. A surprise, something that no one goes to church to expect. Uh, my wife laughs at me because when I, when I go to the banks, Whenever I go to a bank, the first thing I look for is for an exit sign. Just in case something happens while I am there, I know where to go. Well, Paul is saying in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of the book of Colossians, this is the foundation. And now he's going to bring us out of that foundation, and he's going to begin to build the structure, the building. And you will see what that means later on. So what I want this morning is to focus upon verses 3 and 4 because verses 3 and 4 is going to lead us to verse 5 which begins with the word, therefore. Therefore. And in college I learned that whenever you see the word therefore, always ask what it is, therefore. It connects to what has gone on before and what is to follow? So before we get to the therefore of verse 5, which will bring us into the structure, we want to look at verses 3 and 4. And I ask your permission to read it, read them again. Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Again and again and again, Paul uses the word life. And he use it, uses it juxtaposed to death. For you have died, he said, and your life. <laughs> One would think that if you died, you don't have life. But he was speaking to people who were breathing, people who lived in a location, people who were, were, were known. So we, we need to ask ourselves, what is the meaning of this word life that the apostle is talking about? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What is this life? Is it, is it my physical existence? Is it some kind of, I was reading Mark chapter 6, this past weekend, when the disciples were facing a storm, Jesus came walking on water, and the disciples were scared out of their wits because they thought it was a ghost. What is this life that he's talking about? Is it some, 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 some kind of a something floating somewhere? No, he's talking about our existence as Christians. He's talking about the life which happened to us when we were born again, when we became a part of the family of God. So let's look for a minute, look at this life. The first thing I want you to see of this life, that this life is a gratuitous life. 
Listen to Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. The wages, <clears throat> excuse me, the wages of sin is death. When Jesus went to the cross, he died for our sins, my sins, your sins. But the result of his death is that he gave us the gift of eternal life. The cross provided God's answer to what is wrong with the human race. Why we hate, and he will address all that from chapter 5, of uh, verse 5 to verse 17 when we get there. This life then is a gift not earned. It doesn't look for return or recompense. This life is a spiritual life. It is the life that belongs to Jesus Christ when he was raised again from the dead. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul said, The life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. It is, it is an act of kindness. It's a life of grace. Paul said, when you receive Christ as your Savior, you identified with him in his death, and you also died. You died because you were, you were accepting his death as your death. And when he was raised from the dead, he gave us his life. And that life is now experienced now by faith and will be experienced then by sight when he comes again. And we'll look at that in a, in a few moments. So, the life that he's talking about now is a life that has its connection both here and in heaven. My Christian life is not the development of that which I was born with. My Christian life is a gift that was given to me. He gave me a new life when I received him as my Savior. And the reason it is all of grace is because if you and I were to, were to accomplish forgiveness by our own bootstrap, we would be the most detestable people to live with. You know what it says? So that we will not boast. We will not say, I gave more than you, therefore God gave me life. I will, I'm more educated than you, therefore God gave me life. I, I live in a better neighborhood than you, therefore God gave me life. There's no boasting. There is absolutely nothing that you and I can point to from our lives to say, the reason God saved me, he had no choice. Sheer love, sheer grace. So that, so that you and I have one thing in common as we sit in this place, if we belong to Jesus Christ this morning. We are all the products of grace. Nothing else. We have nothing to boast about. The Jews used to say, I'm a Jew. And if you want to become a Christian, I want to join my church, you've got to become a Jew. The Gentile says, we have it here. And if you want to know anything about what it is, you've got to be smart. And Paul says, God has made the wisdom of this world foolishness. Nothing to boast about. 
That is, that is why Newton, when he came out of that awful life that he lived as a slave owner and a slave slave, he could write, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. If, my friends, if you lose the sense of the wonder of your salvation, you don't really enjoy. In fact, Peter said, sometimes we forget from what we have been saved. Sometimes we forget the cost that God showed his love to me by the... Listen to it. Sometimes I'm even afraid to say it. It pleased the Father to bruise the Son to redeem me. It pleased God. It's not that God was, was, was evilly gleeing in the background when Christ was dying. But he knew that by the death of his son, he would redeem people from Soderville, from Salem, from Oregon, from Ontario. And the celebration of this life, my friends, is a life that has been given to us as a gift. But this life is not only gratuitous, it is a mysterious life. Listen to how the apostle puts it. For your life, you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. It's, it's not that God is hiding it. It is that the source of our spiritual life is in heaven. That's where it is. It is not something that, that, that somebody can say, I don't like this, and so I'm going to get at it. You know, I was watching the news this morning, and, and there are people all over this country, not rioting, thankfully, but they are marching against the president. Now, I'm a Canadian, so I'm not talking about being about the president at all. But I, I watch one guy, and, and, and he was quite an interesting fellow, and he was saying, he is not... My president. <laughs> I don't want to tell you what I thought when he said that. No Christian can ever say that Jesus is not my Savior. No Christian can ever say that. We might not be able to understand some of the things that he did as St. Paul said he asked him to remove a thorn three times, and then God responded by saying, my grace is sufficient for you. This life that we're talking about is a life that belongs to the eternities. When Jesus came into the world, John says, in him was life, and the life existed before there was time. And that's the life he has shared with us. John 5, 26 says, Just as the Father has life in himself, you and I depend upon all kinds of external things to exist. But God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, depended upon nothing <clears throat> outside of the Trinity to exist. 
they have life. Indestructible life. When Martha stood before Jesus at the grave of her brother, and, and Jesus said to him, to her, do you believe that your brother will live again? And Martha said, yeah, I know sometime in the future when the, when the resurrection. Jesus said, no, Martha, I am his life now. He is alive, even though you can't see him, he's alive. The proof? When Jesus stood before the tomb, who did he call for? And who came? Lazarus. See, his life was hidden. His life was in tomb. But your life and mine, my friends, the spiritual life we're talking about is in tomb, as it were, in heaven, where Christ is. That life is as real in heaven as our physical life is real to us now. So, this life is a spiritual life. It is, it is the resurrection life. It is the life which came to us as a result of our faith in Christ. When he died, we died. And when he rose from the dead, he gave us his life. You know, somebody was, I was listening to someone the other day, and they were saying about, uh, I think it was a father. Yes, it was his father. He said, my father was in a vegetative state. He couldn't understand anything anyone said. And then he said, I would pray. I would pray over my father. And then I would say, Amen. And every time I get to Amen, I would open my eyes and I would look at his face and his face just glowed. And he said, Amen. Amen. That, that, see, the life was hidden there, even though this, this body was experiencing some of the difficulties of a fallen world. There was life. And, and, and when that life could not be enjoyed in the sense of being whole, oh, my friends, the Bible says there's coming a day when it will happen. There's coming a day when it will happen. We are only in the now of what has already taken place. But there's a then coming. There's a then coming. This life is not only spiritual life. This life is also eternal life. See, eternal and everlasting are not the same Greek words. Eternal is to possess. To possess that which cannot end. Everlasting is the gift given so that we have what we didn't have. So that, so that when, when that life comes to us, it comes into something that was capable of dying before, but not anymore when it gets the resurrected body. It's an eternal life. Just as Jesus can never be destroyed... You and I, one day, my friends, one day, for those of you who have buried loved ones, one day, God, by his son, is going to call them back. And you know what the scripture says? And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Eternal life. 
That is what we can be enjoying now. You see, the, 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 the pains can be soothed, my friends, as we begin to understand this is only the next stop before it all takes place. Jesus said it. Remember what he said? He said, I shall not drink of the, 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 the fruit of the vine until I drink it in my Father's glory. That's the next stop. The next stop is to be with him in glory. But right now, we are only experiencing it by faith later on, by sight. It's, it's a spiritual life. It's an eternal life. It's a moral life. It's a moral life. Listen to what he says. You shall be holy, for I am holy. Here now is a transition that is taking place. All the time, the building was, was being prepared, the foundation was being prepared for the building. And the, the, the character of the building of our lives on the foundation of the cross is going to be a life of holiness, a life of purity, a life of humility. Listen to this. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's a moral life. My friends, when I, I remember reading some time ago of a medical doctor who said that God has called him to commit abortions. And I thought, what, what, what an incongruity. How, 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 can you, how can you talk about destroying life that God gives? The only one who has the right to take life is the one who gives it. Not a man. And God is not going to call anybody to take the lives of innocent children as, as abortion does. So it's, 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 a, it's, it's a life, my friends, that is a spiritual life. It's a life that is, that is rooted in a person. And that life has now been shared with us. We now participate in that life. He has made us to sit in heavenly places together in Christ Jesus. And every Christian has this privilege of being here as well as there. And what I have of there, I live out here. I live in my relationship with other Christians. I live in my relationship in my home. I live in my relationship in my community. The life of a Christian is connected to the life of Jesus where his residence is in heaven. And, and, and you know, you remember, I think it was, uh, what's the name of the book? It was um, one of the classics where, where the slave was being beaten by the master and he was beating him and beating him. And the master was getting more angry as he would beat him because he said, it seems the more I was beating him, the more peace he was enjoying. Why? 
do, do you remember my friends, uh, Dr. Um, I'm thinking of these things in my feet and now they're going for me. The, the doctor I shared with you was not just the other day, um, Dr. Helen Rosevear. When in the Congo, when she left her home in Ireland and went to the Congo, and those, those beasts there, this woman who could have had a wonderful practice in anywhere in the world but went to give her life in the Congo, When the enemies of life came in, they brutalized Dr. Helen Rosevear. Did some of the, your imagination can tell you. When someone asked Dr. Rosevear, who, by the way, he just died about three months ago or four months ago. Dr. Rosevear, how did you get through those days? Listen to her, listen to her answer, friends. They were damaging my body, but they couldn't touch my soul. They were damaging my body, but they couldn't touch my soul. My life is hidden. I am participating in a life, an existence that is beyond what you're seeing. participatory life. It's in a person in whose life I participate. The life that I now live, my present state is lived in connection with where the source of my life comes from. Let's look quickly at what I call the majesty of this life. First, we, we saw that this life has a meaning beyond time. You, you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ because that's where our life comes from. And so in, Galatians, in uh, uh, Colossians 4.4, 4, it says, you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ. And when Christ, who is our life, returns to earth, this is what I want you to see, my friends, that there is, there is coming a time when the world will see where the Christian really got his or her life from. There's coming a time when, when they will say, now I see. But right now they can't see that because it is, it is hidden. And they only see the, the proof of that hidden life by the way you respond to life. When Christ who is alive shall appear, please listen, we shall not always be the scum of this earth. Jesus is coming back to make sure that that doesn't happen. So the first thing this life is all about, it looks for the return of its source. The Gospels, all of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all speak of the return of Christ. You know, as I was preparing this this week, the thing that hit me was, who announced the first coming of Jesus? Angels did. Who announced the exit of Jesus from this world? Angels did. Between his first coming and his second coming, angels are saying, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. 
At the end, angels are saying, he's coming back just as you see him go, and he's going to come with glory. See, you know, when I was a young Christian, before I, I got taken up with, with life and living, Christians used to live with the sense that Jesus was going to come again. We, we, used to, we used to have that sense. Uh, Dr. Martin R. Dehan, when you read the, the Daily Bread, he had a radio program. I used to listen to him all the time, living in Ontario, and he was, of course, living in Michigan. And every time he ended his program, you know how he ended his program? Every time, perhaps today. Perhaps today. He lived with the sense that the promise that Jesus made in John 14, 6, I will come again, that that could happen anytime. My friends, the only promise of prophecy that yet to be fulfilled is the second coming of Jesus. Every other promise has been fulfilled. And Jesus made the promise to troubled disciples when he said, I'm going away, I'm going back to my father, and only, only by reading into the text can you say, what must have been the disciples' feeling when they had given up everything to follow him, and now he said, where I'm going, you can't come? Did, 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 did I believe in vain? Did I give up what I could have held in my hands for something that I must hope for? And Jesus said this, that where I am, there you will be also. I will come, and I will take you out of this night of veil, and I'm going to take you back, that where I am, there you will also be. <laughs> you, know, you know, friends, what Paul says in, in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ, and to Die is gain. Why? Because when we die, sight gives way, faith gives way to sight. And he says, to be with the Lord, to be with the Lord. And so when the Thessalonians were told that Jesus had already come, they said, well, what's happening to us? What's happening to those who are dead? And Paul said, didn't you remember the scriptures? That he says, when I come again, I will come with those who have preceded you in, in death. And you will meet them. And in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed into his likeness. And what now is, then, will be. Don't you remember that? It can't happen without the process taking place. The church is here now anticipating his coming while busying themselves with kingdom business. But the day is coming when Jesus Christ is coming back to earth and he will come for those who have died with him, who lived by faith in him, and who were expecting him. That's a promise. God doesn't lie. God doesn't lie. You know, I, I you know, my wife retired from teaching this past year and I'm getting all the the stuff that the school board used to do. They took care of the insurance. They took care of, 
And all of a sudden, all these letters are coming to the house now, you know. Uh, and I thought, oh, my word. So we got one that was for, for um, cancer insurance. Cancer insurance. And under, under the cancer insurance, it had, it had um, cancer insurance and serious illness. Not serious illness, but something else. I don't remember what it was. And so I thought, well, interesting. Lois had brain surgery after cancer. So I consider brain surgery serious. I had both my lungs with blood clots, and I was told only one in four made it as I did. So I thought, I'm going to see if there's something in this insurance for us. So, so I called the insurance company. And I said, um, I noticed that I gave the number, and they said, my wife has, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, what I want to know, two things. Number one, am I covered under this serious illness? She said, no. I said, OK, all right, I'll take that. But my wife had brain surgery. Was she covered under that? She said, no. <laughs> Thought, bummer. <laughs> you know, no, you know I, ex I, you know, here's a carnal part of me coming out, okay? <laughs> I saw money coming in. <laughs> I saw, hey, this could help us pay some of those bills. My friends, we cannot always depend upon everything that the best of human beings says to us but we never need to doubt anything that God has promised us. We never need to doubt it. If he said he's coming again, he is. Will you be ready? Will you be prepared? Will you be among those caught up to meet him in the air because you trusted his, in his eternal salvation? The, 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 the life will be revealed. But listen, in closing, we will celebrate with him. If we celebrated with him in death, we will celebrate with in life. Listen to what it says. When Christ, who is our life, shall be revealed, you will also be revealed with him in glory. Wow. I want that to sink in. Oh, my friends, we are, we, are, we are troubled, our bodies, our minds, difficulties of life. We experience so many negative things in life. Listen, that is coming to an end. It's coming to an end. When Jesus comes again, you will no longer be despised and rejected. You will not be ignored. They can't. Because you will share in the glory of Jesus and because you're sharing the glory of Jesus, those who despise you now will say, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. How could they? They don't belong to that family. The celebration means, my friends, that, that, that the dazzling glory which you and I will receive when Jesus comes again. Oh, 
it will be said of us that with that kind of glory, this world is not worthy of us. There will be a, the, 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 the dazzling. Jesus will say to his father, Father, here is, you gave him, you gave her to me in life. I'm now giving them back to you. And, and my friends, if you have received Jesus Christ as Savior, he will say, I want to confess this one before you. And I want to confess this one before you. And I want to confess this one before you. Men despise them in the world in which you left them, but now they're coming with me and we will sit together and listen to the words of the scripture. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The celebration of life. It is the life that has been given to us as a gift. And Jesus said, come you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. When I was in college, we used to sing a song, and it's, it's, the tune is up and down. Praise the Savior, ye who know him. Who can tell how much we owe him? Let us render unto him all that we are and have. Verse 5 says it this way. Then we shall be what we would be. Then we shall be what we should be. First, where we would be, then we should be. Listen, listen to it. Things that are not now nor could be shall soon be our own. Let me read it again. Then we shall be where we would be with him. Then we shall be what we should be, like him. Things that are not now nor could be. There are certain things that you and I would like now, and God says, no, because I don't want you to make this your heaven. I'm giving it to you where you will enjoy it forever. Soon shall be our own. This life. The life of the Christian is a borrowed life. It is the life of the perfect Son of God who has given us His Spirit to live within us so that when we live here in anticipation of His coming again, our lives are distinct by its purity, its beauty, its love, it's hope, because the world has none of those. Then we shall be what we should be. Things that are not now our own soon shall be. Let us pray. What a life, Lord. Help us to desire it. Because there are, are, are some of us as Christians who, who find the difficulties of life getting in the way of the life that we have. I pray that the Spirit of God would have taken the Word of God this morning and so affect 
our life, our thinking. That we shall never again look at this life as all there is. But there is a now and there is a then. And by the grace of God, it is possible for heaven to enter us long before we enter heaven. The reality of this will be seen by the lifestyle we live. Help us to enter into it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.